The reason most of us prefer to avoid, numb, or distract ourselves from uncomfortable feelings is because we've never been taught the difference between thinking about our emotions and actually feeling them. If you're sick of overthinking yourself into exhaustion, you're ready to learn how to transmute the stagnant energy of emotional distress into the clarity and motivation that you need to move forward. Welcome to episode 94 of the It's Not About the Alcohol podcast. My name is Colleen Cashman. I'm a soberish recovery coach helping high achieving women get emotionally sober so that drinking less or not at all feels like a superpower. Join me each week for evidence-based holistic strategies to regulate your brain chemistry and nervous system and also develop a growth mindset so you can feel proud, confident, and resilient with or without a drink in your hand because it's not about the alcohol. Before we dive into today's episode with Sherrianna Boyle, I want to share with you how I came to know her, as well as the timing that this interview occurred in my life and the subsequent events that happened next. So I had read Sherrianna's book a couple years ago called Emotional Detox. I found it helpful. It was good when I got it back off my shelf before I conducted the interview. I had lots of things to underline and intentions to chat with her about. But the conversation that we had shifted something profound for me in my understanding of really what it is that I was doing wrong. And I don't like the word wrong. How about the way I was handling my emotions that was actually keeping me stuck? I was making a few mistakes in in how I was responding to my emotions that were was creating a lot of pain for me in my life. And just the timeline of events, I interviewed Sherrianna Um, And because of this interview, I bought her book, Energy in Motion, which right now is currently serving me as my Bible. And using the techniques, the cleanse that she talks about, the emotional cleanse, cleanse is an acronym, you'll learn all about it in these episodes. But using this cleanse and learning how to bypass the story in my head and my thoughts about how things should be or what my feelings actually mean, what they're telling me. The mistake I was making is the one we all do, which is to believe that we're feeling our feelings when actually we're thinking about our feelings. And the more we think about our feelings, the bigger and the badder and the more painful they get, the bigger the story gets. We find more meanings to confirm whatever it is that we're thinking about. And we just build these stories in our head. I, like so many of us, was mistaking thinking about my feelings instead of just feeling my feelings. And even as I explain that, I know that it doesn't make perfect sense. You may be listening and be like, well, okay, what's the difference? And this episode is going to help explain that for you. 
But quite honestly, it's not something that you can cognitively understand. It's something that you have to put into practice and experience. You have to experience the difference between feeling your feelings and thinking about your feelings and moving through an emotion and then realizing what it feels like to get to the other side. That's when the learning occurs. It's that moment when you realize, oh, I did it. I just bypassed, disabled, disarmed, neutralized all of that. And now I'm on the other side and I have the space to see something different, feel something different, do something different. But that's not something you can think about and understand. You have to actually experience it. But something in the way Sherry explains it allowed me to put this into practice in a way that quickly and radically exposed some truths for me that I had to move into action on. And I'll skip to the point. Uh, and I also don't want to scare you uh, that if you buy this book, you know, you're going to follow in my footsteps. Steps. But a week later, I told my husband we were going to be getting a divorce. I pulled the plug on our 10-year relationship. And so needless to say, there's a lot going on with that. And if you're a regular listener, you have listened to me do so much work with this relationship to show up as my best self, to take full responsibility for my thoughts and feelings and stop projecting my bullshit onto him or into the relationship, to change how I was showing up. And I did all of that. And I stand behind every single episode I have, including, I think, the one I did a few months ago on how to get the contempt out of your marriage. I did get the contempt out of my marriage. I did heal and come to love the man who is soon to be my ex-husband. But the bottom line was there were some truths that I was ignoring and trying to do a lot of mental gymnastics and trying to use thought work to change myself and my truth. And I finally had to admit to myself that it was time to let go and to let go in love. I will say that everything is fine. Um, we went, it took us three days. It, both of my husband and I have been married before. We had a very strong, well-constructed prenup. And we went from me making this decision, him accepting it, to three days later, having a full agreement on how we were going to move forward, where he'll be turning right and I'm turning left. No lawyers, no mediators, no arguments, splitting the difference wherever we have a disagreement, and doing our best to be generous and kind with each other, while also both of us understanding we're about to lose half our shit. I mean, that's the way it is. You can't get a divorce without the divorce part. We are still able to host Christmas, our last Christmas, as a blended family. All of our kids are coming in. We are generous and kind with each other. We've even got matching best ex-wife and best ex-husband t-shirts because we've all always been crazy. Might as well go out in style and just setting the tone in our home to allow for some lightheartedness to balance what is obviously difficult for us and our adult children. Yes, there are tears. Yes, this hurts. Yes, I am scared as fuck. And 
so is he. But um, all of the work that I have done, that we have done together as a couple, is really allowing us to now move forward in love um, and allow us to go our separate ways as an act of love, as opposed to demonizing each other and, you know, blaming each other and shaming each other and carrying out all of this regret and anger and resentment, like we're just skipping that part. And I have to say, you know, I've always said, you know who somebody is when you break up with them. And um, the man I've been married to is a very good man. And so it's a very bittersweet time. I will be sharing more about this in the future and in future episodes. But for today, just know that the information that Sherry shares in both this episode and her book, which again, I highly recommend, is transformative. As you can imagine, moving into this process, you know, as the realization sets in, the second guessing, am I really doing this? You know, and then I made a, a, a final decision. I woke up one morning, you know, I had said the words the night before. I've said them before, you know, we have gotten into arguments or, um, conflicts where I'm like, this isn't, I can't keep doing this. This is not who I am. I'm not living integrity with my truth and I respect your truth. It's just not mine. And I can't keep forcing myself to bend because it's breaking me. I, I, I just can't, I can't keep doing this. And I slept on it. And the next morning I woke up and I said, if I knew for sure, that everything was going to be okay one year from now. I'm going to be okay. He's going to be okay. Regardless of the decision that I make in this moment, it's going to be okay. Like there is no right decision. There's the decision you make right. So what would the version of me in one year say about this moment? What will I want, will have wanted myself to do? What choice will I have wanted to make? And she, my higher self, the one that's one year from now said, it's time. Come on. I got you. You're going to be okay. And I walked into that. Just, I walked into my truth. In that moment, I stopped thinking. I stopped trying to figure out how it was going to work, what it was going to look like, what it was going to mean. And I just stepped into, okay, this is the reality. This has been the reality that I've been trying to change, but it is the reality and I can just accept it and allow it, allow it to burn me down, allow it to be what it is and allow something new to come out on the other side. And so I asked myself the question, what will I regret having done in a year and the question was, I would, or the answer was that I would regret if I keep doing this, if I keep beating my head against a brick wall, that's, a, that's clearly a brick wall. Um, and so I stepped forward in faith and my inner higher self said, I got you, trust me, it's going to be fine. Let go of what isn't serving you to make room for the life of your dreams. Like stop living in lack, stop living in fear, stop living in what ifs and what should haves and all of that sort of thing and just step into your truth. And I did that. And so you can imagine if you've ever been through a divorce, 
um, especially, you know, the breaking up of the finances and my income and his income and all of our stuff and all of our kids and all of this, I was dealing with this, what I'm going to describe as a black plume of a sucking wound in my heart. It felt like there was a knife in there. Um, it was physically painful. And I was able to move through those emotional episodes because they are like waves, okay? And, and Sherry teaches this in her book. Those emotional episodes come and they go. And so I learned very quickly how to respond differently when that energy came up. Instead of seeing my emotions as the bearers of bad news, you're screwed, you've screwed up again, nothing's ever going to be okay. You know, looking back and going over all of, all of my regrets and looking at him and seeing, well, if you just changed this or if you just could think this and just allowing that energy to be in my body. And Sherrianna's book, Energy in Motion, talks about how when you get out of the story of your head, like there is no such thing as a bad emotion. It is just energy inside of your body. And so I was able to to stop labeling that sensation in my body as a sad, sucking black hole of pain and all of that. And it was just a sensation in my body. And I started working with that through her cleanse steps, which she goes into in this episode. And she doesn't use this word, I don't think, but I used the word like I'm transmuting this energy. Like this isn't bad energy. This isn't even all that painful. You know, I mean, it's it's no more intense than a bad stomach ache or, or a headache or whatever. Like this energy is my energy and I can do with it what I want. I could curl up into a ball and cry and I have done that, trust me. But that there's a limited amount where that then moves from being a productive release into stagnancy and holding you back. And over the last few weeks, I give myself time and space to collect and to breathe, and then I move into action. And that is what Sherrianna's process talks about is how to turn your emotions into energy and action. And it is in the stagnancy that we get stuck and our thoughts go on that repetitive, intrusive, panicky thought cycles and how to take the energy that you're dealing with and move it into action. And I've been doing that. And you guys, it hasn't even been three weeks. And I already know, you know, what my plans are. I already know a lot of things aren't going to go to plans. But what I do know is I'm going to be okay because it is not the circumstances that I fear. It's not the circumstances that any of us fear. It's our feelings about them. It's the story we're going to tell ourselves. I'm going to be alone. I'm starting over. I'm losing everything. This isn't right. Nothing ever goes my way. I've screwed up again. Like all of those stories when you shift out of the thinking of the feeling and reacting to the feeling as though something is wrong and instead treat the energy of whatever is going on in your body, allow for it. Um, you know, those stupid cliches of you got to learn to dance in the rain or, you know, you have to learn to surf and ride the waves. Well, they, they those are cliches because that's actually what I have 
feel like I've learned to do very quickly on a much deeper level um, in the last few weeks than I have ever before. You know, I've been on this journey of learning how to process my emotions for a long time. I feel like I just graduated to the PhD program. And on the other side of this, I better get an award. But actually, the award is that I am that much stronger and more resilient and willing to let go of what I don't want to move into the life that I deserve and that I can create for myself and to hope and and love with my soon-to-be ex-husband, Ben, that he gets to do the same. Like that nothing wrong has happened. Nothing is bad. Um, we can move forward. So once again, I've split this into two episodes so that you have time to process and digest. In part one of this episode, we are going to just kind of do a broad overview of what most people get wrong about emotional intelligence. We all think we're emotionally intelligent because we think we know what other people are thinking and what their hidden intentions are, and, and we define that as intelligence. Sheriana has a completely different perspective on it that is transformative. We also talk about how focusing on the external things that you want, the goals that you have, why that doesn't make you happy, even if and when you do achieve them, and how to shift your focus more to the emotional intention that your goals align up with. One of my new favorite questions is, who do I need to be in this moment with this set of circumstances to create and get what I want? Who do I need to be in order to do what I need to do? That's one of my new favorite questions. And and we talk about that in, in this part one. We also talk about the difference between the raw emotion, the base energy, versus our emotional reactions to that. She shares that there's only one emotion, and that is love. Everything else is just a reaction, fear, anger, guilt, resentment, like we're just responding to the sensations in our body with stories usually, right? And that clearing all of that with her cleanse steps, which are brilliant, uh, but clearing those reactions is then what allows you to get back to a state of love where then you can see clearly you have the energy and the perspective to move forward. We also talk about how, like like the actual steps. How do you bypass the story in your head um, that's telling you why you're feeling the way you feel and what it all means? How do you bypass that, that story and just move into the processing of the energy, like what that looks like, what that feels like, the thoughts you're going to need to put into your head to put it into practice? And then finally, at the end of this first part, She gives the seven steps of the CLEANSE, which is an acronym, C-L-E-A-N-S-E. I'll let her explain it. She gives the, the seven steps for the CLEANSE. So listen to this first part of the episode. And then at the end, I'll pop back in and explain set the setup for why you should then go on to listen to part two. And I'll do that at the end. So let's dive in. 
Sheriana, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I have to admit I'm a little bit of a fangirl because you were one of the authors I found in the early days after I quit drinking and realized it's not about the alcohol. And your book, Emotional Detox, really guided me through some changes and opened my eyes to this world of emotional health and nervous system regulation. Will you introduce yourself to my listeners so they can catch up on who you are? Oh, thanks for having me, Colleen. I appreciate being on your show. So I'm an author. I'm the author of 10 books, and I've been in the field of mental health for over 25 years. I actually started in the school system working with families and children and then eventually left the schools. And lo and behold, I started writing. I wrote a a book for educators on mental health and working in the education system And then I was approached by a publisher and they asked me to write a book for anxiety to help children. And I did. And then they asked me to write another book and I did. And then I said, you know, I have some ideas of my own. And then that's sort of what led to eventually this emotional detox book series, which a lot of people know me for that, that the creator of emotional detox, there's three books on emotional detox is like a trilogy and in within that is a system called cleanse which is the system i created to teach people how to process their emotions and then i recently wrote a book called energy in action which is all about emotional processing and the spiritual laws of the universe so what i do is i coach people like yourself and share a lot of tools and i love to share my books with people and coaches like you and individuals out there who are just really into self-care, mental health, spirituality. That's what I enjoy. And fortunately, I get to do it for work too. What would you say is the biggest mistakes are the biggest mistakes that we make? You know, as somebody who has always considered myself a seeker, It's amazing that I showed up at 45 years old drinking half a fifth of vodka a day and thinking, I mean, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't, you know, I didn't understand that my behavior was a reflection of lack of feeling my emotions. I would have told you I was very emotionally intelligent. I just had either a bad habit or an addiction or whatever. What are the biggest mistakes that highly intelligent professional women are making? What are the assumptions, the mistakes? the misguided beliefs that we have that keep us stuck? I think that when we believe that our self-esteem and our confidence comes from what we've accomplished, Mm. what we do, or is a reflection of the way we live, our house, our children, this and that, I think sometimes that we can become misguided by that and what ends up happening is you're, you become so driven and focused on sort of reaching these imaginary benchmarks that we can lose ourselves along the way. And one of the ways that happens is we just, we don't even give any space to allow feeling to occur. But I think it's so easy to get caught up. I would, I think everybody needs to cut themselves some slack because we're so bombarded with these messaging that you have to look a certain way, act a certain way, achieve a certain 
status in your life to know that you have any sense of purpose or worth or, or meaning. And I think that's where we fall short sometimes. And we head in a direction and we don't realize that we're actually sabotaging ourselves. And it's really tricky and really slippery slope because sometimes it can feel like that's what everyone else is doing. <laughs> everyone else mm -hmm. seems to be able to have a drink and be fine and have, and, but the reality is you really don't know what's happening with everybody else. So I don't know if that answers your question, Colleen, but I think that's what I see quite often. Yeah. The way I explain that is the, the shift that has to be made to do this work is instead of living from the outside in with your focus being on external and thinking that you will feel better when it is living from the inside out, shifting internally and realizing, no, I have to feel better now so then I can go do better because the state of consciousness that is powerful and confident and strong is what creates the results we want to see. So we basically just have it backwards. And to be fair, what do we learn in kindergarten? To share and smile. You know, it's of course none of us understand that our feelings aren't performance-based. So I, I think you bring up a really strong point. One of the things that I found underlined in my book when I when we scheduled this interview that really resonated with me four years ago or three years ago, whenever I read the book was that this about emotional detox or the emotional detox okay. book. And it's a simple line, but it is that this process of detox, you say, it taught me that our heart's desire lies within the processing of raw emotions. Mm. And as I didn't know what that meant. I feel like I'm still uncovering what that means. I mean, isn't that what I'm doing all day long, living in raw emotions and trying not to kill people and scream? So can you describe what it means to process raw emotions in a way that processes them and how that's different from what we think we're doing? Yeah. A lot of what we're calling an emotion is actually a reaction. And so if we're feeling tense and we're kind of holding on to that tension or managing that tension throughout the day or the stressors that come our way, those are reactions. Raw emotions are just like, think of a raw carrot compared to a carrot that's been canned. It doesn't have all those influences on it straight from the earth. So it's pure. And so when you, I find when you process your emotions, you get to that rawness, which is things like vulnerability, being open. I was just speaking with someone before I had a client just before I got on this call. And really that's the place that in the beginning of the call, it was all about being upset about somebody else. And then by the end of the call, we landed in that raw emotion space. And that's where you're asking more meaningful questions as you're feeling, because you're in a state of feeling, you're asking things like, what is my truth? What is true for me? What is, where's my authentic voice in this? And that is more raw. And not just that is you're owning and taking responsibility for things in terms of when we're in states of reactivity, 
it makes us very susceptible to picking up on whatever's in our environment. So I'm talking about absorbing other people's emotions, more so absorbing other people's reactions. And so it's not just about your reactions. We're around reactions. And that's why it's important to process our emotions and get to that rawness because otherwise we can get into this blaming game. If this were better, if that were better, if they just didn't do this, if they didn't say this drives me nuts. If we stay there, we're just in that reactive space. There's no room for connection. Raw has connection. Ra has vulnerability. Ra has honesty. Ra has truth. Ra has a sense of responsibility to it and a sense of integrity. So you can kind of feel the difference between the two. If reacting is point A, what is point B? Like, how is that changing your life? How... Why? What's the motivation to pursue that? And how does your life change if you shift into taking full responsibility instead of just reacting and managing your behavior and everybody else's thoughts and feelings too? What's point A and point B? Or what's point B? Emotions are the opposites of reactions. And maybe this will help you. And I'm pretty sure, I think this quote came from when I wrote Emotional Detox for Anxiety. And this is when I said to myself, because we can get really caught up in the labels of emotions. And I'm not saying the labels don't have, can't be valuable in some circumstances when we're communicating with one another. But there's so many reactions and there's so many emotions. And how I had to kind of get through that was, this quote, which was, there's only one emotion, and that is love. Everything else is a reaction. Again, there's only one emotion, love. Everything else is a reaction. That means guilt can be a reaction. Fear can be a reaction. Sadness can be a reaction. When we're in a state of love, now that gets tricky too, Colleen, because a lot of us have these imagery of what love is. And I wrote a whole book called Choosing Love on dispelling all the love myths because it's really making it hard for us to connect to love. Love has vulnerability. In order to be in love, you have to open yourself up to the possibility that you get hurt. Some people won't do that. They're too afraid or they don't want to have a conversation because they don't want to be judged or rejected by somebody. And that's all has to do with this love BS that we've all been conditioned by. So the opposite of reacting is love. You're in a state of love, but then you have to really look at love. Love is open. There is vulnerability. It's not perfect. It's, but yet it's flexible and it's resilient and it's strong and it's, and it's, very purifying. It can help really remove any negativity in the environment. So why take this route? Why choose the route where you're processing your emotions? So you can build, and I know you're all into neuroplasticity and the brain and all of that. You you have to build this memory of love. I was just saying to a client before this, 
you know, it's like we have amnesia here, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? We're spiritual mm-hmm. beings. I talk about this in energy in action, you're spiritual beings. And then you go into this human body and literally it's like, we're all walking around with amnesia. Where the hell, who am I? Where the hell did I come from? <laughs> How do yeah. I function? You know, it's like I'm plopped on this earth with no map. Although I think the spiritual laws of the universe are a map. And so we have to, we're rekindling the memory. What is the memory? It's love. That's where we come from. It's unity. It's oneness. And only way you can rekindle that is you, it's got to be a practice, a regular practice. Yeah. I try to practice every morning waking up and keeping the amnesia, which is kind of opposite of what you're saying, but trying to not remember who I am because as soon as my day starts and that character that I play with my roles and my expectations, that just sucks me into this autopilot. It makes it so much harder. Yeah, I'm living in reaction. And so the longer I can go in the mornings without remembering who I am, and then I spend the rest of the day, you know, trying to remember, but I've forgotten. And it's I wake up in a dream. And for me, it's which dream do I want to live in? I like the dream where I'm not in reaction and that I'm open to new things and I'm not letting my feelings limit my possibilities and limit what I see. So I feel like it's also freedom. Absolutely. Where do you want to go? Do you want to talk about the emotional detox or do you want to share? I hear you're writing a book on the spiritual laws, which I'm also- Well, no, I've already written it. Energy, okay. in, yeah, energy and actions, the spiritual laws. I am writing another book, but that that this one's out. But go ahead, finish what you were going to say. Just you know, where do we want to go? Do we think people would want to hear about you know the process of emotional detox and walk away with some actionable items? I also love conversations about the spiritual laws too. I think that you know, looking at things from a different perspective can also be very actionable. The good news is you don't have to leave one for the other because it's all together. It's just an expansion on emotional detox. Everything I write, it's kind of like my signature, has the foundation, the foundational principles of emotional detox in it. So I'll I'll give you those foundations. One is there's One, the first one I said, there's only one emotion, love, everything else is a reaction. This is just what that, it's a mindset that it's built on. The second is all your emotions are good, meaning they all have value, even the guilt and the shame, so long as you process them. And so what does that mean to process them? But you have to allow yourself to have an experience with your emotions. How do you have an experience? It's going to be through mindful tools like Colleen teaches, like I teach. I came up with a system that I created called Cleanse. It wasn't something that came from my brain. It was something that was channeled. When I wrote Emotional Detox, I was actually in an emotional crisis and I had already had, I mean, the Emotional Detox was my seventh book. I already had a lot of tools in my toolbox what I found during that time period of my life was trying to grab at different tools and trying different things did not serve me. I needed just a solid something that I could sink into. 
Now, then the question became, what is that? And because I was so vulnerable at that time, because I was at a place where I really had to surrender, I really could not, no longer control what was happening, what was done. And there was nothing I could do about it. If anyone's ever been in that position where you're like, there's nothing I can do, right? Can you give the context that you share in the book? I'd rather, it'll get us a little veered, but it, it was basically, you know, family life, marriage life, things like that had all come and which had spilled over into my, even my career because I was at the time, believe it or not, I was writing emotional detox when it happened. (laughs) And so even that, everything got affected because I actually said to myself, there's no way I can write this book. I mean, I would, there's no way. I even went to the publisher, Simon & Schuster, and I said, I can't write this book. I'm in crisis. I have no business. And the best thing that they ever did for me is they said, take as long as you want. If it takes you two years, take two years. You're going to write this book. And having that weight off my shoulders and their belief in me and not rushing the process allowed it myself to sit down and ask for guidance, spiritual guidance. And so the cleanse, when I say it didn't come from my brain, it didn't come from me sick, sinking and researching. It came from me downloading and connecting to spirit and asking, you know, and surrendering everything. And so I started to get the steps of the cleanse and I started to try them with clients and I started to play with them and change them. And I gave myself about eight months to develop it and it's never changed since. Cleanse is that, how do you have an experience with emotions It's the process. And that very first step, which is C, which is clear reactivity, is the number one thing. And this is, Colleen, where it's different now. And I'm sure you know this as a coach is the old style was we immediately we talk about things, right? We're in crisis. Of course, we're going to talk about things. But I was devastated. And so my energy, everything the wind was so out of my sails that even talking was too much. It gave me such a perspective of emotions on on a deeper level that I didn't have the energy for those conversations. It hurt me more than helped me. And so the first step of the seat, I knew, I was like, okay, if somebody's in this position that I'm in, which I know there's a lot of you out there, the first step is to go to your body and let your body know it's safe. Number one, that's what I mean about processing your emotions. It's an experience. So I, in clear reactivity, we might do something like take a gentle stretch. We might do some tapping. We might do some breathing. I've got literally written hundreds and hundreds of cleanses in the last four books so that people can just follow along and different variations because that's good for our brain. And that's where you begin. Then the next step, which is that look inward, which is the L in the cleanse, that's when you start to identify the emotions. But you got to do it in a way where you're not rehashing the stories or narratives or the past. Because as soon as you go to the past or go to the future, you're going to start losing energy. And 
it's going to drip out of you. Now what's going to happen is you're going to be, you know, susceptible for internalizing things, taking things personally. I mean, this is what happens when we try to resolve things in that way. So I teach people and look inward, how to identify an emotion without rehashing. And then the next step is E, emit, which is adding vibration to the body. And then A is activate. Now that you have energy, now that you've identified, now you're about, okay, where am I? Now your perception's changing. Like my friend who said, okay, I'm, this person's driving me crazy. And then we ended up in, where's my truth? Now you're there. And then you're in nourish. You're sitting in truth. And I teach people how to do that or sitting in the energy. S is about surrender, which is about you can't allow something new until you surrender and then E is the final step of the cleanse, which is the I am, which is the embodiment of all of this. And that's you learning how to function as a spiritual being in a human body on the planet. Okay, so that was part one. I encourage you to take some time to integrate what you just learned, make some notes, write in your journal, walk around and practice breathing and turning your attention into the energy and get some experience with this so that you have actual new questions as you head into part two. In part two, what we are going to discuss is the connection between addiction, which a lot of you listen to this because alcohol has been a thing or is currently a thing and you're working through that. So we actually bring in the tie between addiction and the emotional attachments that you have to things, money, relationships, you know, all of our trauma drama, you know, shifting your focus away from the habit of drinking or the physical addiction or whatever that is and breaking those emotional attachments is the upstream solution that, you know, once again, it's not really about the alcohol, right? It's about the unprocessed emotions that you're trying to escape or trying to numb and avoid and kick the can down the road and then they keep showing up and biting you in the ass. So part two, we discuss the connection uh, between addiction and emotional attachments. We also talk about why your unprocessed emotions are actually making you tired. When you have stagnant, stuck energy in your body, it is like leaving the dome light on in your car. And so part of your exhaustion and your inability to see the big picture and your lack of energy to get yourself up and out and busy creating the life you want is because of your attachments. And Sherriana is going to share what the practice of detachment looks like and how fast it can restore your energy. And I can speak to that. You know, as I'm going through this divorce process, it can be actually exhausting. But instead of looking at that exhaustion as a sign that I need to go lay down or as a sign that I just can't, you know, I'm operating at a lower capacity, I've learned there's small actions I can take that move me back into alignment that actually then quickly restores my energy. My creativity comes back, my uh, heart opens again, and I'm able to move forward. You know, our our physical fatigue is not always physical. Often it is the product of mental and emotional 
you know, unprocessed emotions, overthinking, all of that. We're also going to talk about how to align the goals that you have with what Sherry talks about just a little bit, the spiritual laws of the universe. I'm really digging into the spiritual laws of the universe and look forward to creating more episodes specifically on this topic. But for now, uh, we're going to just brush brush them with a broad stroke and you'll get to hear a little bit more about them and how aligning yourself with the laws of the universe actually brings your life back into balance and harmony so that you can stop trying to use your willpower to control your behavior and to minimize your bad habits and move from willpower into free will where you can choose your focus, choose where you pay attention, choose y- your consciousness and direct it. And how that, you know, not only restores your energy, but begins to allow you to manifest the things in your life that you want. Um, Also, she gives some small actions that you can take that increase your emotional intelligence, not your understanding of what other people think, but actually what you're feeling in your body and where to start when you don't like, you can't just quit your job, divorce your husband and go like eat, pray, love your way through Italy or India, wherever she goes and how just taking some small actions in your everyday life will begin to open up what it is we're talking about here so you can experience the truth of it and then that will motivate you to do even more, okay? So take your time and when you're ready, I will see you over in part two of how to turn stagnant emotions into action that propels you forward with Sherrianna Boyle. I'll see you there.